Hello and welcome once again to the Moore and Connolly Football Show, the podcast that gives you your fix of the NFL with a little added je ne sais quoi. Big shout out, as always, going to the Gridiron family, which we're proud to call ourselves a part. But to get right to things, my name is Tom Moore, talking nonsense since 1986. And joining me, as always, it's the godfather of the family. It's Ollie Connolly. Ollie, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm hanging in there. How are you? Wildcard weekend, super, super wildcard weekend, they call it now. They they take up they absorb my Monday night too these days. What is it? Why does it call it super? Because it's on a Monday night as well. Is that what classifies it as super duper? It is super duper. And uh, now there's a game on uh, ESPN, but I think it's broadcast through ABC, I believe, the wildcard game. So more networks, more football, super, super, super duper. Sounds like Peep Show where Jeremy's having sex with that woman and going, what if I got a SCART cable from the VHS and connected it to the TV? And then off that, I could record directly onto how many networks is this going through? This is ridiculous. Surely it should be one network only. That doesn't make any sense. ESPN through ABC. Ollie, I don't understand American networks. No, it is, it is awfully confusing, but it will be a, probably a fun broadcast. I can't remember which game they have. What is the Monday night game? I can't remember off the top of my head. I, my, my brain is broken this week, but um, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. I'm looking forward to this. This should be a pretty great slate of games. Unfortunately, there'll be no Tua Tagovailoa, it looks like, in the in what could have been a, an awesome Bills-Dolphins game. It, it's touch and go whether Lamar Jackson will play and what would have been a unbelievable Bengals Ravens game so that's a bit of a shame but the rest of the slate looks looks pretty great too I'm searching for the game now Ollie anyway but on today's show what we're going to get to is we're going to get to first of all a little bit of story time with Tom Ollie we'll go into that but then we're going to go into our headlines for next week and what we mean by this is we're going to give you some headlines that we're expecting to see in the press next week that will give a nice little way of looking at the games from this weekend at Super Wildcard Weekend then we're going to play our game show for the week and we're revisiting one of our favorites which is Tenable one of my favorites Ollie it's the Buccaneers against the Cowboys on Monday night Okay. So yeah, and we'll talk about that shortly. Um, Then we'll play our game Tenable, which is great. It's all about can you name the top ten of a certain thing related to the NFL? Ollie and I love this one. We'll get cracking into that one, and then we'll round out the show. So Ollie, before we get into next week's headlines, though, because we've not talked for a while, because last weekend I'm afraid I had a kid who got strep A. It's all in the news, Ollie. He got it was strep A, and he 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 said strep A, (laughs) conjunctivitis, chicken pox. COVID. He's taking them all like a champ, to be fair. But the Strepe one with everything that was going on in the news was a little bit more scary. But because of that, I built up a little bit, a bit of backlog of things I wanted okay. to talk to you about, Ollie. Let's go. Because we haven't really talked since Christmas. And I wanted to point this out, first of all. Home Alone is Oscar worthy. Now, bear with me, because I think Home Alone is just one of those wonderfully constructed films. Okay. Yeah. Most holiday films like Christmas films or kids' films or silly films like Home Alone, they have got huge plot holes in them, right? Yeah. There's a suspension of disbelief required for Home Alone that is very similar in a lot of films, but they cover bases meticulously, Ollie. Right. Okay. First of all, passport, when the milk goes and the drinks go all over the pizza, they're mopping it up. His passport goes in the bin. That's how his passport's missing, and you see it. The kid from coming across the street when they're counting them as they're getting into the bus to go to, that's how they miscount. All the mannequins that he used when the the robbers come over and he starts that kind of fake party, you see them all in the basement before. You see them all. They're all there, Ollie. You... um, Picking up the other message in in the house when they're robbing it about them calling round and trying to see, that's how they found out that he's home alone. The, um, The plaster on the old man's hand in the church when they shake hands, Ollie, during the end, just before the finale. 
like they're mending things. It's symbolic, mending relationship. They're mending their friendship together. Ollie, yes. th- there is so much symbolism <laughs> and perfect guarding of the story and yeah. filling in those holes. It's Oscar worthy, Ollie. It is a fantastically constructed film. It's beautiful the way you're breaking it down like his usual suspects or some kind of yeah. Kind of <laughs> <crafted> <laughs> Who is Kaiser Sose? <laughs> Well, there you go. Right, I'm going to hit you with another one. Now, this is I, I enjoyed in particular from this week. So, if you didn't hear this news story, ladies and gentlemen, essentially, there is a now a spaceport in the UK in Cornwall. It's not really a spaceport, but they're doing launches from there, and they're launching them on a thing called uh, Launcher One, which is essentially they use an old Virgin Atlantic 747 jumbo jet. And they bolt a rocket to it. <laughs> yes, they did. Bear with me. Yeah. You, if you want to see my Twitter at the underscore Tommy underscore more, you'll see an illustration of this. Of course, Ollie's at the uh, Ollie Conley. Um, so so they bolt this rocket and then it launches. They kind of drop it like, and then it fires up and then it launches. And it was supposed to put a satellite in space. Now, they've done this before with this rocket on this 747 scenario. <laughs> But the day it was going to happen, the morning, I looked at the picture of this and there was such a DIY nature <laughs> about a rocket bolted on the underside wing, underside of one of the wings of a 747. And I thought, OK, and it was going to launch at 10 o'clock in the evening. Right. So I went to bed, woke up the next morning. I put a tweet out saying, this, what could go wrong? It's like um, <laughs> hot, it's like hot shots, isn't it? I'm in a hospital. What could go wrong? Um, in seven hours, we hit the enemy toast. I think you mean coast, sir. Yeah, sure. It'll take more planning, but we'll do it anyway. Anyway, this it, it failed to launch. They lost it in the sea or whatever. It broke. It was a it was a problem with the launching thing. But did they really think that was going to work out? No, I and I I know nothing about anything in the news. As you know, during the football season, my life mm. is pretty one dimensional and to a tragic degree. I will confess. The only reason I knew about this as a thing was that I saw your Twitter feed. You were like wishing them, you know, Godspeed and, and good luck to you, Mr. Virgin. And then, like, I don't know, whatever it was, 12 hours later, I just saw a pop-up notification on my phone saying what a failure this thing was. <laughs> and, and then I, so I clicked on the pop-up notification. It had an image of it. And I just, my initial reaction was, are you shitting me? It was like... Yeah. <laughs> Italy post-Brexit British nonsense <laughs> that some dad had rolled out of his Anderson shelter and was like, we'll take it to the moon. <laughs> it's fantastic, isn't it? Absolutely love it. Now, one more news story, Ollie, before we finally get to our headlines for next week. This was, I thought, really nice as well. So there was a golfer who was going to be invited to the Masters. So he's waiting for his invite to the Masters, essentially. You get it sent through the post. It's very nice. Oh, it's fantastic. I've been invited to the Masters finally. Anyway... So essentially, a guy by the same name <laughs> in a state, essentially the masters basically got confused and yes. sent this to just some random bloke, right? <laughs> who then wonderfully went on Twitter, found the golfer, and said, "You know, I'm a I'm a golf I'm a golfer, but I'm not that good, and I think this is probably meant for you." And the golfer replied and was like, um, "Yeah, I've been checking my post four times a day. Where's my invite to the Masters? Anyway, absolutely fantastic. So he's passed along. I'm sure he'll do something nice for the guy who identified that he'd been sent it incorrectly and they'll invite them down to the Masters or whatever, which is which is wonderful. But it just made me think, what if he tried to get away with that? The guy, the wrong guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if you're an obscure mem- if you're an obscure golfer, potentially, um, 
you might be able to get away with that, even in something like the Masters with a large competitive field yeah, in an yeah. individual-based sport. So if you want I, invite... I believe, I believe Augusta, it is obviously the most prestigious... Um, you would say so, yeah. ...club to get into in the world. Like, former presidents get into the club, but, unlike, you know, the Secretary of State has no chances. Like, that level of being capped yes. off. But I'm sure, like, the CEO of Goldman Sachs gets in. And from my understanding, the guy who was the fake Scott Stallings. I think Scott Stallings, hasn't he been in the Ryder Cup or something? Like, he's not a bad player. Probably, yeah. But this guy had, like, a kind of bankery CEO head of lettuce, like that very, like, down yes. south white man look. So he probably could have rolled in there with a nice jacket and got away with it, I think. It, and that's what I was thinking. So I was thinking, if you'd got mistakenly invited, what sport do you think you could get away for it for, with it for the longest? That was my because there was a there was a coach for the Colts called Tom Moore. You know, also so yeah, just made me, made me think. He is the one who um, uttered the famous phrase about Peyton Manning when John Gruden sidled over him to him to prepare for a Monday Night Football game, and uh, Peyton Manning was not was taking all the practice reps and they asked him, you know, why is Peter Manning taking all the practice reps? None of the backups ever take a snap or two. He said, Hey guys, if number 18 goes down, we are and we do not practice. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the kind of thing you would say, I think actually, maybe that was you when you were sneaking in. As, it as may have been, it may have been. I'd be interested for people's thoughts though on the, on the Twitter. Do you not, do you not think you could run out at Headingley and be a night watchman against like an average bowling attack? Uh, no, because an average bowling attack that's coming in in the high 70s, low 80s speed, mate, I would push forward and they'd already be passing it around the field. That's what would happen. Cricket is is very interesting, actually, because I, I'm all right at cricket. I'm decent at cricket. But if you rack the speed up of bowling five, seven miles an hour, it goes from this is sharp to I, I literally can't see it. It's it's crazy. I do not understand. And it's it's muscle memory, isn't it? It's like with baseball, hitting a fastball or whatever it is. It's muscle memory. But I do not understand how batsmen, particularly we talked about this previously on MCFS back in the day, in how I feel that cricket, they say hitting the fastball is the hardest thing to do in sport. But cricket, I feel, must be harder because there's the dynamic of the fact that the ball bounces. Uh, so that's got to add an element of jeopardy into it. Anyway, I do not know how with the element of the ball bouncing with swing with seam and things like that and a ball going at 90 miles an hour how how somebody hits it and yeah, how anyone hits, understand it, it should be a game where one person hits it a day and everyone gives them a standing ovation so <laughs> exactly oh, what an amazing day out <laughs> exactly absolutely crazy is there a sport you think you as you said you could survive if you got the wrong letter through the post Ooh, crown green bowling, maybe? I think there's a chance you could have been an offensive line coach for just a day. Obviously, they'd have sus like Jeff Saturday. Remember, he, he beat Josh yeah, exactly. once, but then he got caught out as being a buffoon for the following eight weeks. Do you think for a day, you just kind of, they all already kind of know what they're doing technique-wise in the NFL. So if you're just coming in there and it's kind of rah-rah, you have three Red Bulls, you kind of tell them to punch the pad harder. You think maybe you could bullshit your way through a day as a line coach? Potentially, yeah. Any other coach, maybe not. Or maybe like just as kind of a fitness coach or something. Listen for the beep, beep, run. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. I don't know. Look, Ollie, let's get to the headlines. Flow it forward. Flow it forward, man. What have I been taking? Right, Ollie, let's get to the headlines now. And this is where Ollie and I talk about what we think you're going to be seeing in the press, coming hot off the press or more likely on the intranets uh, next week in terms of what happened with this week's games. Now, I'm going to hit you first with this one. We talked about the Monday night game. This is my first headline. Mike McCurro, the Bucks best the Cowboys 
And then McCarthy is sacked, despite what Jerry Jones seems to be suggesting at the moment. McCarthy is out of the door. And the Cowboys looking for a new head coach next season. And maybe they find one in someone, I don't, I don't know, Sean Payton? I don't know, Ollie. Uh, what do you think of that? It's interesting because it, it, I find it fascinating that's how you read Jerry's comments because he was saying, like, I'm going to judge him on the totality, right? Not just, you know, we lose a playoff game. No, it's not that Mike's gone. I'm going to judge him on the totality. The totality is where I would get concerned if I was Mike McCarthy because the team last year was constructed to win it all. And then this year was always going to be slightly lesser in terms of overall talent of the roster, but you hope that re-signing all the superstars would maybe make up some of that ground. And they've had a lot of duds, just a lot of duds, and particularly on the side of the ball where he's supposed to have the most involvement. So if I was Jerry looking at the totality and Sean Payton's out there, even if we got to the NFC title game, I'd say, yeah, this guy's just better than this guy, isn't he? Um, and that's what I'd look at. This, this will be, I think, a, a fascinating matchup. That the Cowboys just so high variance, up and down on both sides of the ball. Now, defensively, not quite as a, as disciplined and consistent as they have been all season. On offense, Dak making so many mistakes. Second in the league in, in turnovers, only playing 12 games. Not all those by any stretch on him. This is just a bad matchup for Dallas um, against this Bucks defense with the specific style of what they do is not great for the Dallas offense, which is really high degree of difficulty offense. And what they've now devolved into basically is either Tony Pollard takes it to the house, CD plays like an absolute superstar, or Dak plays like a superstar kind of in the second phase off script because he's, he's an absolute monster just playing within the flow of the offense. That is a lot to ask for multiple rounds. And against this defense where Todd Bowles knows his job is on the line, he's probably just going to send the house play after play. And his gamble will be, can one of our corners batter cd lamb for 60 snaps and hopefully get away with some pi calls and maybe a tip ball in the edit to an int and that'll be the entire game is can cd lamb get off the line of scrimmage or not i, I can't wait to see this one Ollie. this is actually the one that i'm probably most interested in because i don't if i'm being realistic i'm being a bit you know sensationalist with this headline <laughs> i i'm not sure i believe it ollie but I don't not believe it. And it, and and this is the type of game where we start to think what we talked about previously, the whole Tom Brady throw him out in the fourth quarter and he'll figure it out. That feels like where the books are. And maybe, maybe that's what happens, Ollie. And that's what we see. And that's what undoes the Cowboys. And I, I truly, what I am convinced of, if they do lose the Cowboys, I am 100% convinced McCarthy is gone. Oh, yeah. 100%. Has to, has to be. There's no wider gulf in any units playing this weekend including if anthony brown plays at quarterback for the ravens which is a possibility then unlikely than the books offensive line against that defensive front of the cowboys so there is a world here in which the books just cannot physically move the ball you know brady's going yeah three-stepper now and does just he's for the last 10 weeks he, his whole life has been i don't want to get hit anymore i'm 45 years old i'm going through a divorce i would like to see my children i just don't want to get hit anymore thank you. it's understandable it's very understandable and against that front it's not that's that's a non-negotiable they are going to hit you it's whether you have the cojones to stand in there the third time and deliver the, the strike when the secondary splits apart which is what they're liable to do so that is a big, big, big concern. That is a, just a giant gulf. The, the books O-line has been awful, awful for weeks, awful running the ball, tons of third and longs, and then just pray that Brady can figure something out. And as you said, he, he's only really done it himself in the final five minutes of the game when they completely overhaul the offense, which is a shit design, and say, Tom, you figure out for us, and, and he does just that. I think the McCarthy thing is the fun subplot. Is anybody, 
anybody on earth rooting harder for Tom Brady than Sean Payton. Because mm. just before we came on air, there was a, a fresh report, the daily Sean Payton update, <laughs> which was the, hey, you know what? Sean Payton might consider sitting out this cycle if there's a job that he doesn't fall in love with, which means he's looked at that Denver situation where the Walton family said, here's all the money in the world. He said, that's fun. I don't think I can bring myself to do the Russell Wilson experience for two seasons. And he's waiting to see if Brandon Staley does something wild on a fourth down that leads you know, the owner to fire him on the spot and to see what happens with McCarthy. Because I think he wants Dallas or Herbert, you know, even if if Herbert was playing for, you know, a, a team in Prague, I think he would take that gig. It just so happens to be the Chargers. Um, and then maybe, maybe he'll talk himself into one of the other jobs. I think the Arizona one's a decent fit for him. But I can't imagine anyone is rooting harder for the books this weekend than Sean Payton. Yeah, Payton holds all the cards. Ollie, give me your first headline. Say it ain't so. Okay. Aaron Rodgers announces he's walking away from football. Or is he? Oh, it's we're there again, Ollie. And this is uh, the Packers. The Packers losing in the playoffs. I put a tweet out about this. It it doesn't upset me as much that the Packers are out now, the playoffs, and we're not in the dance. What upsets me more is now we start the off-season cycle <laughs> of Rogers nonsense. And ultimately, I then put out a very random prediction, which I'm now scared about because my prediction about the rocket came true and the rocket failing on the 747. But I I put out this bonkers prediction. I'll say this and then you can you can give me what you think about this. But Rogers starts the dalliance of I'm gonna retire. Always. The Packers trade to get Devontae Adams back. Yeah. Yeah. Then Rogers says, okay, I'm coming back. Mm-hmm. And then Love is traded pre-draft. There you so, go. That was going to be my prediction. Tell me, what, what, what are you saying here? You see he's walking away or not? Uh, it's so, so hard. One of the big problems here for people will, will hover on this 59.5 million number, right? Which is the amount of cash he can get given next year. I tweeted about this a little. I've, I've actually written a, a uh, column for the Guardian. I came back out of um, sport and culture retirement to do it because I have to write about this guy whenever there's an opportunity in, in a oh, yeah. sense. He's just the most fascinating contradiction of ideas to me. You know, I love the person who thinks they're the smartest person in the room who very much might not be. Um, <laughs> and, and that's definitely projection, by the way. Um, this <laughs> this 59.5 million figure, when you look at the landscape, he could get paid uh, 30 million a year by Fox to be on TV. The, the, like, the cash is almost relevant. Spot, the amount of money Spotify would hand that man to host a podcast. Oh, yeah. The, or FanDuel, right? Gambling company, that's why they've got all those giant towers. To go and co-host McAfee even once a week to keep doing that, they would hand him two-thirds of the cash to not get hit in the face as he would do in the NFL. So the money becomes an irrelevant. And then that the leverage that gives him over the Packers, where you look at the cap hits... If he is not playing football, this year's $40 million dead money if he retires, right? Or they trade. Yep. That sounds bad. The worst scenario is if he comes back to play, then retires next season, where it jumps to like $60 million in dead money for the following year. Or the year after that, the final year of this fully guaranteed contract, if he retires after that one before the last season, it's $80 million in dead money. So it's really a now or never for the Packers of well will you just let us know if you're retiring because 40 million is a lot but you got a rookie quote or well, a rookie contract quote about maybe you can figure it out it'll be a rebuild anyway without rogers if he decides to come back and then retire next year it's like a 
organizational catastrophe because he's also robbed another year of Jordan Love. And part of me knowing this guy is thinking, this is why he wrote the contract this way, because he just wanted every year to go off and do the ayahuasca and have, you know, roses and hosannas thrown in from the backers pleading, please come back, Aaron. We need you back because the, the cap sheet just becomes such a disaster if he retires next season. So for the Packers, it really is either please walk away this season or tell us to trade you to the Niners or Miami or wherever he wants to set up home moving forward um, or come back and play. The issue running into it is, do you want Aaron Rodgers to be your quarterback in 2023, 2024, 2025, which is the, you know, what you're... I don't, I don't know whether I do. No, I mean, the, the big concern is, he finished 30th this season in adjusted completion percentage of throws of 20 yards or more. He used to, I mean, he had a monopoly over that until Mahomes came along. And then those two lived in like a God stratosphere since Mahomes came in the league. Like no one could get close to those two on throws of 20 yards or more. To fall to 30th behind Brissett, Garoppolo, Davis Mills. I mean, th- th- these are not guys who should be anywhere near Aaron Rodgers. And it's not like something where you'd go, the whole thing is broken, the system's falling apart. He was missing throws. He was missing and for me, with him as a player, it's come down to, does he have the desire to adapt his game? Is he the kind of guy who says, okay, I now have to be hit the back foot, get the ball. I have to be Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. That I have to play within the system, and I have to just get the ball out immediately. Fast, 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 rapid throws. Or do I still want to do my artistry stuff because I'm such a free thinker and visionary? He just can't play that way anymore consistently at 39, 40, 41. So he'd have to change his game. And to me, that is the thing. Does he want to go into an off-season workout? Can change his throwing mechanics, which he'd have to do. All that work, like Brady's done in the past as he's aged, to be that kind of player for 20-something weeks whilst taking shots. And it's like, when you put it that way, for him, when you could go and make $30 million a year to be on TV, it's like, yeah, I'm good. I don't want to do that. I think he retires. Interesting. I, I, I would lean... Yeah, I would lean towards retirement but I would really not be stunned if he told them that I will either retire or if you can find one of these three teams, I'll go and play for one of these three teams instead. It's just whether you want to uproot your whole life at 39, I guess, as well, and go and play. But then the only thing I can think of, if it was me personally, obviously I'm not in Aaron Rodgers' head, but if the choice is to sit on a show with Pat McAfee every year when you've been a, you know, one of the greatest athletes of your generation and you've got uh, this hungering desire to win things, which all top athletes do. You can do that, which you could do in, in, you know, two years, three years time anyway, or you can go and team up with Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Mm. Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk. That would tempt me to do that, right? That there's a massive imbalance there. I think in upside, if I was asked to return with Christian Watson and all his buddies are leaving too, you know, Bakhtiari, Crosby, Randall Cobb, all these guys because of the cap situation and the age, yeah. either retire or the Packers will move on. So he's going to walk into a locker room. that's not really his locker room anymore with all these young guys. I think that really is the divide of like, do I want to redo this again with guys I'm not that familiar with? It's going to take time to build chemistry again. We don't have the assets to go and make a blockbuster move for the offense. Or I'll go over to San Francisco one last dance you know, one, two seasons with a all-star cast ready to go and just drop me in. I think he's done. I think he's done, to be honest. Um, and right. Hey? And would that upset you as a, what was once? Uh, a, 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 a little bit. Yeah, well, it, it would a lot, Ollie. But um, everything is just a moment in time. Life is full of moments in time, you know, and they pass. And you become sad, but you shouldn't become sad. You should be thankful for what you had 
during that moment in time and know that in the future there will be other moments of time of joy probably not the same this is a metaphor for life you see but they will be there and they will be different but they will still bring you those emotions so that was tom's way of saying let's see if jordan loves any good (laughs) it will be different it could be sad Oh dear. Um, right, let's hit on the final two news stories before getting to the game. We'll do a quick game tonight. We're running over slightly. So, Ollie, my next news story. You know where you know where I'm going with this one. Non-giant killing, because the giants kill the Vikings, but they are not a giant. They are a <laughs> fake team, and I've been saying this all season, and I have been proven, I think, to a certain degree, Ollie. But I say this: Vikings get housed in their own building. I like it. This game, I'm going to make a slightly nerdy point. People... Oh, oh, please do, Ollie, because I've never heard any of them before. People can track this during the game. This game comes down to this. Ed Donatel, there's been nothing funnier this season than listening to announcers and broadcasters who say absolutely nothing in the NFL normally, right? It's all about mm-hmm. every coach is a genius and every coach is great because we, we paid $7 billion for these rights. They all, in succession get beyond angry and frustrated mid-broadcast at the Vikings defense, Ed Donatel, how passive they are. It's like offensive. Even you watching Joe Barry, it's just beyond how passive these guys are. It's like they don't want to play pro contact football. It's just absurd. <laughs> and by the third quarter, all these guys from the 90s and 80s who love to run the football, like what is happening? And they get angry. This game comes down to the Vikings never blitz. Daniel Jones has been okay and to not great against the Blitz this season. The best way to get Daniel Jones to panic is to put extra pressure in his face as early as possible in the rep. How will the Vikings layer, as they say in coaching parlance, their Blitz? Which means if you send everything immediately, Jones has a decision to either just go, oh shit, and throw the ball and hope for the best. Yeah. Or take off his legs where he has done a ton of damage this year, bailing mm-hmm. out blitzes completely undesigned and just taking off his leg against the blitz. And there's tons of open ground. If you layer the blitz, so you send one guy and then a second guy flows from depth, usually some kind of zone pressure, you obviously have a free runner as he decides to take off and say, oh no, and go get him. If the Vikings do that, I reckon they get two or three negative plays in the game that would have a decisive impact. If Ed Donatell is all doctrinaire and know I run what I run and we'll figure it out, I think the Giants can sustain enough drives to at least kick field goals and win the game. I completely agree, Ollie. It's interesting, isn't it? Sometimes when I watch Daniel Jones, he's not Josh Allen, but when he runs, he <laughs> runs in that kind of Josh Allen, uh, 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 okay then, kind of way. Let's there's, just there's, do there's this and see what happens. quality to Daniel Jones where he also has no idea where he's going or what he's doing, but it's, it's, it's fun to watch. It is, I love it. I love it. Ollie, give me your final headline. The Herbinator goes ham. Justin Ooh. Herbert drags a ropey game plan over the line to knock off the Jaguars. Yeah, I don't see the Chargers losing this one, Ollie, but does this sound to me like you're unconvinced with where Herbie is at the moment? Herbie? Does anyone call him Herbie? Let's call him Herbie, where well, old Herbie is. Well, the thing is, if you overlay what the Chargers do on offense with what the Jags do on defense, the Jags are tailor-built to take away what the Chargers do best and to punish the best thing the Jags do essentially is run zone pressures. That is where the Chargers are at their worst as an offense in terms of picking all that stuff up. And they built a ton of their offense against attacking zone coverage, which is where Justin Herbert absolutely thrives. So you lay all that stuff over the top, just what we do best, what they do worst. The Jags are built to stop what the Chargers do. The difference here is that at some point in the game, there's going to be three go balls, three deep shots. And if Herbert connects on them, then that's a wrap. And I just think that he is so special and so talented. 
he's good enough to put the cape on and push his team beyond some kind of flaws in the game plan. And so I'm going to back Justin Herbert to, to put them over the top. Yeah, I completely agree, Ollie. But it's nice to see the Jags getting to the postseason. My next door neighbor, he's a Duval, he always says to me. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Oh, Duval County. Oh, yeah, right now. Yeah, I remember. Um, but he uh, he's a fan. And it's nice to see the Jags and Trevor Lawrence get there. Is it something about us being over this side of the pond? We have a soft spot for the Jags? I don't know. Everyone loves the, the lovable underdog. I think they obviously take on even more fun because of the Urban Meyer storyline from last year, and particularly how that yeah. obviously impacted just uh, Trevor Lawrence. Everyone loves the young quarterbacks, and to have these two young guys at the outset to their career, essentially, this is what is fun and what the playoffs should be about. You know, get, again, some of these crappy teams that have snuck in there, and it's you know a shame that Tua's not playing. It's an injury, but like, wouldn't you much rather see someone like the Lions in the playoffs than even like the Seahawks, who are most likely just going to get waxed in the first round by the Niners? Like, it's fun to see the sprightly, young, exciting teams, and no one represents that more than these two sides. Love it. Love it, Ollie. Right, let's move on and finish with our game show for the week. And this is Tenable. Tenable, a great show that's hosted by Warwick Davis. I'm not sure what channel is it on, but it's essentially top 10 lists and the competitors are challenged with naming all of the things on that top 10 list. So, Ollie, I say we give each other one round. Yep. My, my questions are going to be offense-related. My question is going to be offense-related. Yours is going to be defense-related. So, would you like to go first? I'd be sure, if you want me to. Okay. So, now, I'll give you the choice of two categories you can pick from of which you need to name the top 10 okay you can either have defensive tackles the top 10 defensive tackles um in terms of what have we got in here in terms of uh total tackles oh no yeah so not defensive tackles total tackles right by players in the nfl or total sacks by players in the so you're looking for the sack leader or the tackle leader? Which which category do you want to go for? See, I, I think I'm going to go sacks. I'm going to go sacks for a reason. That is, tackles, one, the way they are counted is often horseshit. Um, the people just mm-hmm. guess. The, the official game charge is like, it's a pile. He did it, I guess, particularly when it's combined tackles. And tackles, it's usually linebackers and often on bad teams because someone's blowing past the first level of the run defense, so they get a tackle. You know, bad defenses rack up tackles usually. So, um, Well, so- I, I, will, I, will, I will validate that, Ollie. Fourth. Zaire yeah. Franklin from Indianapolis. Fifth, Alex Singleton from the Broncos. Sixth, Jordan Brooks from the Seahawks. Maybe not as much. Seventh, Rashawn Evans from the, the uh, Falcons. You know, another Indianapolis linebacker at 10, Bobby Okere. Okay. I like the sacks, and the sacks are usually superstars. So when you just start throwing out names and you, you know, you're See how many you can get. I will get my pen out. Go on. So I, I just need to name 10 of the top sack getters. Uh, you need to name the top 10, yeah. Okay, okay. So, uh, Nick Bosa, number one. Number I guess. one, tick. Uh, Miles Garrett. Number two, joint second with somebody else. Matt Judon. No, he's joint fourth, so he's yeah. still doing well. Micah Parsons. He's seventh, solo. Max Crosby. Joint eighth, and interestingly, joint eighth is your eight, nine, and ten on this list. So Max oh. Crosby, yes. So that's twelve point five. So twelve point five is the bar essentially. That seems really high. Am mm-hmm. I crazy? That's really high. It's the, it is quite job, high. Everyone, everyone has done a good job this but season. Bravo, <laughs> well done. Well done to the edge rushers. Um, I say edge rushers. Uh, Chris Jones has like sixteen or something, right? So on a broadcast is is right up there with Chris Jones is there with Judon. So Chris Jones is there. Yes, 
So six. Now I am now I am in trouble. <laughs> You've got Bosa, Garrett, Jones, Judon, Parsons, and you said Max Crosby as well, didn't you? Yes, I said Max Crosby. So you are looking for, yeah, you've got four more to get. Now, interestingly, tied with Miles Garrett on 16 sacks is somebody else. So joint second. Oh, really? It's hard because I think I don't know. I don't know if Josh Uche managed to get that many. He missed a couple of games, but he had a crazy amount down the stretch for the Patriots. Um Nwosu for the Seahawks had a monster season. I don't know if he's there. Th- those Eagles guys are kind of messing with my head because all of them, I think, got eight, nine, ten. So they split it all apart. I don't know if one of them was able to break into the top, top, top tier. In the top 16, there are five Eagles. <laughs> oh, my God. I saw... Um, I think they had like 70 something sacks overall and the next closest team had like fifth in was in the 50s it's just preposterous how deep and talented that team is um oh uh i know jj watt is in the top 10 because that jj was a- watt same as max crosby 12 and a half so what do you got- think of jj watt's brothers wearing jj watt's jersey into his final game oh, i think it's kind of cute they're brothers a little bit a little bit of look at me louis i think so oh, okay fair enough Classic, the classic Watt family. Um, I I think that is me probably tapped. I'll go with I'll go with Josh Uche. He had a monster end to the season. Josh Uche eleven point five came in at twelfth. Interestingly, so your number two joint with Miles Garrett was one of those Eagles. It was Hassan Reddick. Ah, still, still the most impossible to evaluate player in the league. Who is crap for like? Well, not crap. Is good for. 40 snaps a game and then has these ridiculous sack totals every season. You can't tell if he's the best player in the league or just an average one. Then you also missed uh, Alex Highsmith. Oh, for the Steelers would never have got that, no. 14.5. And then with JJ Watt and uh, Max Crosby. Is that, is that legitimate? What's that? Yeah. Yeah. That's kind uh, of... I don't know. Stereo Mike provided it. JJ uh, right. Watt and Max Crosby tied on 12.5 for 8, 9, and 10 with Brian Burns. Ah, oh, absolute superstar. Absolutely. You did se- seven, Ollie. That's pretty good, yeah, I think. Pretty good, yeah, pretty good. I mean, I probably should be getting all 10 given the job, shouldn't I? My bad. Well, I'm not well, perhaps. Bad. You know what I'm like. I know, but that's the, the leveler, isn't it? All right. So are we doing you now? <laughs> Always. <laughs> As I said to my wife, yes, my turn. So, uh, Ollie, go on. The two you have to pick from is the top 10 quarterbacks in passing yards uh, or the top 10 rushing leaders. Okay, I'll go quarterback passing yards. is the sensible option. And you can just kind of guess MVP candidates, I guess. But also think about the idea of the guys who are sometimes behind in games and therefore are chasing and so racking up. Yeah, and have to throw the ball a lot. Okay, so I'll try and I'll try and put some down straight away. So Patrick Mahomes. Pen and paper. Let me get my pen and paper. Oh, sorry. You tell me when you've got your pen and paper. Pen and paper is in hand. Okay. So I'd say first of all, Patrick Mahomes. Correct. Okay. Then I would say um Josh Allen. Yes, correct. He is seventh in the NFL in passing yards. He did miss a game, Josh Allen. He also did have one game where he threw for a bazillion yards in the sweltering heat in Miami. Who has to, who has to come back? Okay, I'm going to throw one out here quite quickly as a, as a shocking one. Mm-hmm. Is Jared Goff in the top 10? Jared Goff is in the top 10, and this is why 
Ben Johnson, the OC, is the the new hottest, shottest, you know, white genius savior head coach candidate? Uh, is Brady in it? Brady is, of course, in it. Brady's always there. Chasing game after the offense is a disaster for three and a half quarters. I don't think Dak has played enough games. Dak has not played enough games. So people on here who have not played all games. Okay, then is is Jalen Hurts on there? Jalen Hurts is the tenth quarterback. He is the threshold with three thousand seven hundred yards. That's five. Three seven hundred. Okay. How about Joe Burrow? Joe Burrow also hasn't played every game. He is fifth. In passing yards. Therefore, logically, I think I have to put Justin Herbert on there. Yep, second in the league. It's crazy, by the way. Justin Herbert, 4,700 passing yards. Just, you know, you drop him in 1980, he's the greatest player to ever. He's Michael Jordan of the NFL. Patrick Mahomes, 5,250 passing yards in a season. It's unbelievable. So how many have I got so far? Uh, You're up to seven. Okay, so I'm doing one. So I need three more. Now who now I've got to think about, like you say, who's behind, okay? So what I have brought up in front of me to, to help me is a list of the starting quarterbacks in the NFL. No no stats related to it, but I have got a list in front of me. So I'm working through this, right? Cards, no. Falcons, no. Ravens, I don't think so either. Indeed. I'm looking at Sam Darnold, and for some reason I'm interested. I don't know why. He's played about six games. Yeah. but <laughs> he, has, about... he has been amazing in those six games. So. I don't think Deshaun, I don't think Dak's played enough games. I don't think Russell Wilson's played well enough. I'm very suspicious Russell about... Wilson, Aaron. 13th in the NFL yeah. in yards. I don't, I don't think... Uh, you, can, you can give me where he is. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is on that list. He is 11th. Yeah, I think apparently this is the first season where he's not had a 300-yard passing game or something like that. Something stupid. There's some weird stat that I heard. Um, Ooh, now we're we're really... We cut Texans, Colts. Is Trevor Lawrence on there for the Jags? That's what I'm thinking. Perhaps don't give me the answer yet. I'm looking at Kirk Cousins and going, not again, surely. Give me Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins always, man. He can't help himself. Okay, Kirk Cousins. He's a monstrous shootouts and games this season um jones dalton davis webb no not <laughs> nobody in the jets kenny pickett hmm rock no gino 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 did gino. i already say gino gino smith the comeback yeah. player of the year coming back from what being shite so have i got nine now then you have nine of the correct answers i can't remember who you've not got frankly I called out Brady, Smith, um, Hertz, Cousins, Herbert, Mahomes, Goff, Burrow, Allen. Allen. Is that nine? Yeah, so you need to get the ninth person, unless the first person to have thrown for 4,000 yards, crossing the threshold from 3,000-yard season to a 4,000-yard season. Well, the first person during the season to cross that threshold. Well, yeah, the, yeah the, the bottom rung. Oh, okay, right. Oh, okay, I see what you mean. Um, I'm going to take the shot. Is it Trevor Lawrence? Woo! <laughs> it is, wow. That was amazing. <laughs> I was actually quite impressed with myself there. I did it. I did it. Oh, we won, That's baby. Tua Tagovailoa would have been right up there had you know he not been playing Tua. football games Tua. while having a He only played... Tua played 13 games... <laughs> 
and threw for 3,500 yards. Wow. He was, you know, a quarter behind Aaron Rodgers, and he played 13 games. He played one half of that. Two two halves Mm. visibly concussed. Yeah. uh, And he, he missed two one half of those games at least with a concussion so he's essentially played 11 games and just dunked over russell wilson Derek carr daniel jones people who have been considered having decent seasons uh, in jones's case unbelievable incredible ollie i, I can't believe i got all 10 i'm absolutely <laughs> delighted and, <laughs> and, and, and flabbergasted <laughs> my friend it's been a pleasure as always to have this conversation with you i love it so much we hope that if you're a listener and you've you've listened to this show um, we're building our audience back up after we were away for a, a bit of a hiatus. We have been doing this for nearly eight years now, but there was a hiatus. So stick with us. And as we go into the off season and into next year, we're going to bring you more. We're going to bring you more game shows. We're going to bring you more great headline stories. We're going to bring you more fun and nonsense. We've got so many things up our sleeve and in our creative um, gumbo pot that we're going to bring to you all. So please stay with us. Tell your friends and family about it. Um, and let, we hope you'll come on that journey. Them. A slight preview, as we always do with the Super Bowl Ooh. show, as you know, we pull up all the fun prop bets for the that Super was, Bowl. Yes. I have been initially emailed by my friend Jared at one of these great prop bet bookies, who I will not say on this show because we now work for a real company who may do advertising at some point. <laughs> but Jared, my good man, sent me an initial draft of some of the uh super bowl props that will be coming up this year if, if i have any interest in them so i asked him and he sent me some of the rihanna ones rihanna is obviously doing the super bowl halftime show so the first up ones tom are the odds of rihanna's first song during the halftime show how big of a rihanna fan are you well i know some of her tracks <laughs> okay 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 what would you have down as the betting favorite to be rihanna's first song during the super bowl halftime show well, Umbrella is obviously good, but it, it, just, it doesn't feel right. Now, If where are they playing the Super Bowl this year? Super Bowl is being played in Phoenix, Arizona. So it will be indoors anyway. There won't be any in Arizona. So there won't be any rain, which makes it sound rather strange. Wouldn't it be great if she did Umbrella and they did some Definitely kind of fake, fake rain? It's going to be like that guy from Britain's Got Talent in like 2011, whatever that was, George something. They would they would pour the rain Samson. on him. Samson, George That's Samson, fella. yeah. They would pour the rain on him. You know, he'd get all see-through. <laughs> They'll be doing that. Some kind of latex and uh, some umbrella situation will be going down. Umbrella is a plus 1,000 favorite. That makes it a 9% chance. I could see them starting all dark, you know, and then the rain. Yeah, that would be sick. I, I, Tom's face was lit up. It did. He, I would like that. director of the Super Bowl. That would uh, be yeah. It's like when Homer was creative director of the, director of the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're all here, Mr. Simpson. What do we do? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> so We Found Love is currently the betting favorite, plus 250 with a 28% that's a chance. Good, that's a good call. I, oh, because it does have the do-do-do, right? Is that how it starts? Boo, boo, yeah, boo, yeah. Boo, it's got quite an yeah. to open mm. up. I still, think, I still think you can find something better than that. The other one that uh, I've had sent to me just to end up is the odds of Drake appearing at the halftime show. Oh, not that guy. What odds have you got for that? Yes, is plus 220. No, minus 220. That seems like something that could be figured out very quickly. <laughs> if everyone knows, I mean, I guess he'll be at the building. He's always at giant sporting events, right? So mm-hmm. that makes it tough. I feel like someone's going to be in the know enough to know whether he's playing or not. 
Mm. They, oh, they must be. He'll, he'll drop a hint as well. People can't keep secrets. Celebrities, it's too all about themselves. On <laughs> it, you know what I'm saying? I know what they're saying. So that's just a sort of preview, Tom. In time for when we get to what color will the Gatorade be? Will there yep. be safety? All of the classics. We love it. We used to do that every year. I look forward to it again. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to get in touch with us, you can at the underscore Tommy underscore more on Twitter at Ollie Connolly. Let us know your thoughts, your feelings, your love, your affection, your hatred, whatever it is. We want to hear it all. But for now, it's goodbye from the king himself, Ollie the Sea. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. Enjoy Super Wildcard Weekend.